And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Aunt Waveland. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. On to Waveland, also presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. And uh, we're here to talk, well, it's, it is the post-season for us in our Cubs coverage and for the Cubs. But you have to like say it that way to make sure that the hyphen is in there. Because it is not the postseason for the Cubs. They are not involved in the postseason. <laughs> they are just in their postseason season period uh and so we will use this as an opportunity to kind of put a little bow on the season that was for the cubs um and then talk a little bit about our perspectives on the postseason no hyphen there uh and uh and that that's probably where we'll leave it on this what i was thinking about as i was introing and i'm gonna this is so unfair to do to you guys uh (laughs) but again it's the it's like the one perk of being the sort of pseudo host is that I get to tee stuff up sometimes without having specifically prepped you. So then and then you guys have to dance. You have to tap dance while I'm able to be like, oh, I know what I'm going to say. So, OK, season is wrapped. We obviously spoke at length about the season as it was happening. So I don't know how much we need to actually unpack of the nitty gritty. But uh, what I have found funny in the aftermath of the season is sort of reflecting on the holy crap that was this year stuff and that's a that's quite a bounty for a team that set the record for using the most uh players ever uh, a whopping 69 players this year for the cubs and i wondered if you guys had any things now at the end of the season that you were thinking back and you're like holy crap that was that was earlier this year wasn't it um anything anything sparking to your mind not <laughs> yeah you've definitely put me on the spot here bam gotcha <laughs> nailed you i got i got one because i saw some of those like season recap video uh, on twitter and the the hobby running back and forth oh, I think but mostly because it was like an actual moment of like joy around this team and like happiness and excitement and optimism and that just felt like a totally foreign experience to what the last several months of the season were. And even that time period, you know, I think that was May. It was kind of before they really took off. I mean, just, you know, it was the first, I think, road trip of the year. And like, we were asking Jed about the trade deadline. Like that, like that was just how like warped our sense of time was this year. Yeah. Well, well the, okay. If we're if we're talking about positive moments, I think the best moment <laughs> for me. Sorry, wait, did you you immediately assumed that I was asking for like what's what's a horrifying moment that you <laughs> yeah. remember from earlier this year? Yeah, pretty much. Like, there's That's... too many. There's too many. 
<laughs> well, I, uh, I mean, the Rizzo at bat at full capacity was one of the coolest moments of the season. Uh, that the what was it, fourteen pitches or whatever it was, and the homer, and I mean, it was just such a fun moment, and I think everybody was kind of. I think they swept the Cardinals that weekend. That was probably the last. I know the combined no hitter was a great moment, but I don't know. Combined no hitters aren't as exciting to, to me as they are to some. But that moment was one of the last really great moments for this group, I think. And it seemed like something kind of cool and fun was going to happen at that point. Like when he did that, it was like, ooh, is this team like kind of good you, you started to wonder like maybe if they had some pitching at the deadline huh this team is kind of starting to figure things out and then it all just went to hell <laughs> yeah uh well let me mention on that vein because i think that was i think most people upon reflection would agree that that was sort of like the high point of the season that game specifically it was the fully reopened wrigley field it was the cardinals it was back when the game outcomes still mattered in the standings for the cubs and then yeah that that the cubs were down one and rizzo battles 14 pitches homering uh it was i think the longest at bat of his career and to tie the game cubs go on to win i mean that was that was pretty fantastic and it also does feel like a lot of these things very foreign to be like oh yeah that was this year um you remember the the sweep of the Padres at Wrigley that was finished off by arguably the best Craig Kimbrell has ever looked had ever looked in a Cubs uniform. I mean, like I feel like that was a real specific inning where I was like, "Wow, I'm gonna remember this because he looks freaking unbelievable." Um, and indeed, he did. He looked sufficiently unbelievable that the White Sox stepped up to trade for him a month later and or two months later, and um, that's what most people will remember about the season. Uh, of course, is is it will be remembered as the year that that the roster was finally taken apart. Uh, I want to add one more before we sort of transition to some other closing thoughts on the season. So w- one bookmarking or uh, yeah, endpoint type of thing that I loved this year was Jason Adam coming back to the big league roster and looking incredible, by the way. Uh, so good that like I never thought he was going to get back to a point where I'm like, boy, they should keep him on the 40 man roster all off season. I kind of think it now, which I'm sort of blown away at myself that I think that, but what's amazing is it was this year that he was in the bullpen to start the year, unable to command anything in the zone, getting absolutely blown up him and Brandon workman together. Uh, supposed to be some of the back end guys back in April getting so Brandon blown up workman. That he was there's something yes see there you go that's i tell you the, those lists of the 69 names who've played for the cubs this year it is you're like oh my god ildemaro vargas did play for the cubs this year holy crap yeah. i mean how long ago does it seem that eric sogard was on the cubs right that wasn't that long ago yeah that really yeah. wasn't that long ago but it feels like aeons ago so anyway uh, but yeah, Jason Adam, big highlight. Dude, he, he went down to Iowa and obviously he had the gruesome injury during batting practice. Uh, his ankle went through his skin and yet two months later, he's back with the big league team and dominating at the end. And that's a nice, that's another ni- nice story. Uh, last call for any of those type of things before sort of general wrap up season commentary about the on-field performance well i i i did just talk to jason adam and i had to like check with him and i was like 
Wait, when was it that you kind of broke in with the team and had that really guy? Because I'd like suddenly forgotten. I was like, how long have you been with the team? And it was just last year that he yeah, had like that he looked year. so nasty and he kind of figured things out. And then he came into this year because, I mean, Tommy Hadovy was is really was really high on him. I'm sure now that he's looking great again, he, he feels similarly. Uh, but he was super high on him and, and believed that he could be one of the better relievers in the game. And, and then he just. Oof, was he a mess? And uh, I'll, I mean, I think it'll, it'll, there, there'll be more. Uh, I'll write more about it, but uh, yeah, it, he's. I, I think he feels that as as awful as that injury was, like the perspective that it brought him and and the reset that it may have given him, because he felt he was really out of whack mechanically early on in the year. Obviously, the results showed something was wrong. Uh, but in the long run, he he hopes that. Uh, as gruesome as that injury was, he can become a better pitcher. So it, definitely a, a pretty cool story. It, I agree with you, Brad. I did not like I didn't expect to, to ever see him again uh, and to see him not only see him, but to see him dominate like that. That was a nice story. One a nice little story uh, to end the season there. Brett, we had a similar experience this weekend in St. Louis, kind of standing in the dugout waiting for Ross or whoever to come out before one of the final games. And it was kind of the, like, I will remember you montage of trying to think through players. And I think Pedro Strope was one that everyone was like, Oh, that's right. Holy crap. Because obviously Pedro Strope has a huge, uh, made a huge impact on the franchise. Everyone remembers him and his personality, but like, yeah, he did pop up for a couple of games uh, I want to say in April, maybe in when, Milwaukee. I think yeah, when it's the, it, they thought they might have had a COVID outbreak. Um, but yes, Pedro Strope, a 2021 Forever Cub. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, so obviously, the season ends for the Cubs. Uh, a winning, winning record in October. 
You know, Cubs took two or three <laughs> from the Cardinals, so they are back go. to being a winning October baseball team. Um, I actually, I have to give shouts and love to the Cubs and the Twins for structuring and coordinating their wins and losses at the end of the year, such that um, by the by late Friday of that series, it, it, it could only end one way with the Cubs, you know, winding up with the seven pick and the Twins winding up with eight. So I was therefore able to uh, completely guilt free just be excited about wanting to see the Cubs beat the Cardinals uh, this weekend. And of course, the finale on Sunday was sort of a, I don't know, a bit of a bogus, you know, multi rain uh, game where it was sort of like, okay, never mind. <laughs> like any of the excitement you might have had to be like, this is the final game. Maybe there'll be some crazy fun drama late just to leave us with something. And it's like, no, it's kind of going to rain on and off. And then they're going to decide, <laughs> you know what? We're just done. We're just done with this game. <laughs> let's just end this thing. Um, <laughs> let's just end. Um, but I think that it was, uh, you know, if you want to try to to check off some storylines from that series, you know, another another nice game for Frank Schwindel to wrap things up uh and he of course was just named the rookie of the month again in the National League uh two months in a row for him and I think that he probably not not by virtue of just this one series but I think he has is pretty much sewn up as we've discussed uh, many times even in spite of any incredulity about what he was doing I think he's pretty locked into a, a roster spot next year and gonna get those regular starting appearances either at first base or dh early on um as for other things that happened late that are going to inform the offseason or impact any planning it's hard to say you know there's there's always that truism about not taking too much away from september results you know not letting it convince you too much about what you're going to do but i you know a little part of me is is noticing what happened with the trio of pitchers that we've talked about so much where you had Justin Steele putting together by far his best start uh, it was one of the best starts of any Cubs pitcher this year when you really break it down and he he finally had all all four pitches working for him in the same outing um just really looked fantastic and then you had Keegan Thompson before he was once again put back on the aisle with the shoulder inflammation he had his best outing, you know, coming out of the rotation where he was, he, he went from not being able to miss any bats to suddenly missing, like, where did he get like 14 whiffs out of yeah. 70 pitches? It, it was something crazy. And, oh, I was so pissed that he was not able to make then that final appearance because I wanted to see like, oh, did they figure something out or was that just a fluke? And then finally you had Adbert Alzali coming out of the bullpen after his injury, which was about innings management. And he was making these multi-inning appearances. Uh, but his numbers were insane for his last, like, eight appearances. He was just ridiculous. And so I'm not saying that changed my perspective on how the Cubs should proceed with respect to the rotation this offseason. I still agree with everything that we've said about, you know, really wanting two surefire additions, another two good competitive additions, and then you sort of figure out what you have in spring training. But I found it heartening and I find myself trying not to take too much away from it, but it was a nice note to finish on to think, okay, yeah, I now remember why we think that the Cubs certainly have at least three contributors in these guys. And um, yeah, I, I just, I feel that tension of not taking too much away from a final few appearances at the end of a lost season. Uh 
here's what I'll I'll say about that. I these guys are major league pitchers. All three of them can get out, uh, and, regardless of the hitter. It, it can be you know Bryce Harper up there, or you know the 26th man on a roster. These guys, I trust that they can. I, I trust them in big situations. Uh, I don't know if any of them is a consistent six, seven inning guy. I don't know that. I don't, I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, right now, I'd lean Justin Steele, but that's recency bias. Uh, you know, if how many starts into his career is he? Uh, five, six, seven. Uh, yeah. How many starts, uh, seven starts into the season? What were we saying about Adbert Alzali? Uh, so. That that gives me pause to say that any of these guys are long-term starters. I just, I, with all that said, I'm not sure if it matters. I, like, every single time uh, we've talked about starting pitching and stuff like that with David Ross, he's not some old-school guy that immediately says, I have to have five guys that can go seven, eight, nine innings. He's not thinking I like need that. my horses. It's, yeah. Right? He, I need my horses. He wants guys like that. Sure. But he's not he's not lost in today's game. He's not unaware of how that there are different ways to win. So and I've been hesitant to go this route or even accept it. I, I want more uh, seven, eight, nine inning guys because that's more fun to watch, in my opinion. I like seeing that. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's the only way to win. I, you know, if I had to pick a team right now to win the World Series, it's the Rays. And they're going to do it with in a in a. The, the way they've won games is in a very different fashion than what, you know, traditionalists are used to, what I grew up watching, and, and it works. So can can these guys be a part of a rotation, quote-unquote, you know, something, uh, a pitching staff, a bullpen that eats multiple innings a, a game and gets you through a, a season? Can they – can they have? Uh, can they go three, four innings a start, and then you know Steele goes four innings and Alzali goes five, uh, vice versa, whatever it is. Uh, how can you make that work? How do you how do you balance that over the course of a season? Is that possible? I don't know. I, I don't know if Ross is capable of doing that. If these pitchers are capable of doing that, but I think it's something interesting that's been added to the mix. Uh, I was really encouraged by Keegan Thompson's last outing. Uh, I talked to him about that. There, there were uh, mechanical issues and confidence issues. Mechanical issues left led to the command issues, which led to confidence issues, which led to the injuries. Right, all of that was mixed together. Right, I think he was trying to correct things that he couldn't correct, and and that was throwing him off his game, uh, and and that and that led to the issues that we saw. Now, my my question is. Is he doing something right now that is leading to the shoulder barking? Uh, we have to, you know, health is going to be something huge with these guys, all of them, everybody, right? That's that's something you have to keep uh, in the back of your mind with all of these guys. But I, those are three arms that can give you multiple innings a game. How many times a week they can do that is my question. Uh, but they really add an interesting dynamic to the Cubs that – if you're willing to think outside of the traditional mindset of what a starter is or what a pitching rotation is, uh, it suddenly gets a lot more interesting and in how you attack the offseason doesn't have to be so simple. I, I agree with what Brett said before. I'm sticking to what we've already said. They need to get four or five starters this, this offseason, two of whom have to be 
no doubt in the rotation and you move forward, but how you fill out those innings, how you get through a season is going to be interesting. And and maybe they can find a path, a unique path, or, you know, an outside the box path that path that gets them to be a, a, a good pitching staff and a, and a good, a strong unit. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Cause I, I do like those guys a lot and there's, there's talent in the bullpen uh, and you get some surprise guys, which they've been capable of doing. You can put together a 13 man staff that, that, you know, gets you through a season and, and is, and is not your weakness like it was this year. I mean, when was the last time the Cubs had one homegrown pitcher on their pitching staff acquired either through the draft or the international market that you could count on? I mean, certainly no one who signed after Theo Epstein was hired, at least until this year. And the Cubs have three useful pitchers, and that's significant, um, particularly given the enormous holes on the rest of the roster. I'm just curious how this is going to work like next April and the Cubs lose three games in a row. Like I want to see how these guys respond. And I'm really wondering who's going to be kind of like the stoppers in the room or the guy. And I know there were times with Rizzo after a while, it was like, okay, dude, we get it. It's baseball. This happens. And there were times where, you know, Theo wanted to like, you know, break stuff in the clubhouse to like get them to show urgency, yada, yada, yada. But like, it's great that these guys showed stuff in August and September. And to be fair, Alzali had great moments uh, in the first half of the season. So did Steele. Thompson earned Ross's trust when the Cubs were still in a competitive mode. <clears throat> but like, I think this is where Jed and Ross really have to identify some like proven commodities and not to have like everyone who was happy at the end of the year, like, and, you know, pulling on the positives and to have some sort of like just structure to, to navigate a full season, because you know, whatever the Cubs do, like they're going to talk themselves into, Hey, we can compete if this happens, if that happens. And then, like they're going to lose on opening day by like 10 runs. It's going to be like the sky is falling. Like we've all seen this. And so like, how are they going to kind of like keep it together next year and like build off of this? Obviously we've been talking about for months is like the kind of most fascinating thing here. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so as I mentioned at the top, it is the postseason time, it's playoffs, and the Cubs are not involved. 
which is what? So one year out of the last six that the Cubs have not been involved. Um, 2019 and uh, obviously they were like strictly speaking they were involved in 2018 for about a minute and 2020 for about two minutes and uh i got i gotta say (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that that 20 i'm i'm sure it's just that like you know you convince yourself of some truth but i would swear to you i would swear on bible right now that when that 2020 postseason started after the, the pandemic season, I knew the Cubs were getting wiped away immediately. I mean, I just knew, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was because I was like, uh-oh, if the Cubs actually do make a run and sort of put something together and go to the World Series this year, will a part of me always look back in history and be like, well, it was kind of fake though. That wasn't really real. I'd rather they want a real season. All the jokes that people make about the Dodgers now. Um so I don't know. I might just be like ex post factoing that into my head, but like I would swear <laughs> to you, I knew the season was over. Oh, they won the division! Hooray! Okay, the year's over. Let's get you know to on to the next year. Uh, well, that was this year, and obviously it had its own issues, and the Cubs are not involved in the playoffs, but the playoffs are happening nevertheless. Uh, amazing, they go on even without the Cubs. So I'm curious your guys' thoughts. Todd have mentioned you know that the that the Rays are you know potentially his pick to go, but. Is there anything about this postseason storylines, games, matchups, whatever that you find particularly captivating? That's something that you're looking forward to seeing play out. Yeah, I, I think the Giants are interesting because uh, you know I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm utterly fascinated by how they put that team together and how they're winning. And uh, David Ross said this as well. He's he's pretty interested in that too now. Does it work in the postseason? Can you make this hey, work? Can I s- slip in on that real quick just because I saw it and I apologies to whoever put this out there because I, I don't recall, but I saw a stat. It was something like in the history of baseball, there have been maybe like 16 teams that have won 107 games and all but one at least went to the World Series. It was that wow. uh, 2001 Mariners team. Right, right. Man, which set the record. But um, every single one except one went to the world series at least. And so that I was like, Whoa, what about 106 win teams? Isn't that what the Dodgers uh, are? <laughs> yeah. But that's the, I know that's the funny thing. No, they, they're all terrible. <laughs> Interestingly enough, every single team, I, I'm, I, I believe I saw this. Uh, there have been 25 teams in baseball history that have won at least have won 106 games. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, they all, all of them washed out. In fact, four of them, incredibly, were dismissed from the postseason before the games even started. <laughs> yeah, They're like, you know what? You didn't win 107. Get out of here. <laughs> It'll just go. Uh, yeah, that that's see, that's that's really interesting because I I don't I don't have them going to the World Series in my own you know fantasy world of picks that I made. Not that those matter in the least. Uh, but yeah, that that team is going to be interesting. I think. I'm going to follow the Brewers because I, I mean, also people that listen to the podcast know how I've been like, yeah, that's how big a stinks. fan you are. Yeah. The Brewers, like every single time, <laughs> every single time, I'm just like, no, they can't do anything. And then they go and make the playoffs and, and somehow, you know, uh, Craig council gets his team to play so much better than the names on, on the lineup actually look. Uh, but I think, I think this is the year that they make a run. I, I really do. They just, that pitching is so good. Even without Devin Williams, I really like that team. Uh, so, so I'm curious to see how they do, 
I mean, there's just a lot of different brands of baseball, right? Like, and I, and I think you can look at it through a Cubs lens, and right, and, and there's that Theo quote where it's like, "What, what's the next trend? Whoever wins is the next trend." We're all going to be talking about that's the way to win. But I think what, what I find fascinating is there's so many different ways that these teams have been put together. So there, there's so many different ways to put a winning team out on the field. So when you say like. The Cubs have to do this. The Cubs have to do this. No, no, no. They need to figure out what works for them and what their path is. What path are they going to take is the is is the, what we need to figure out, right? And and I think there's we can watch these playoffs and see that uh, hey, there's a lot of different ways the Cubs can end up making this work out. Uh, I'm curious what route they will attempt to take and and if it'll work. Uh, so that's. Uh, there's a lot of pieces out on the athletic. I read James's like how the team was put together. And I, I find that fascinating. Uh, the, you know, how the white Sox were put together, how all these teams are put together is, is something I would recommend fans read. If you're, if you're curious to see how the Cubs can put a winner together again. Brett, you know, I'm all about that content and I'm just totally, absorbed in self-interest so whatever is the best like trolling cubs angle like if schwarber just hits like eight home runs in the playoffs i knew i knew you were gonna say that i knew it game seven of the world series like dylan c starts it eloy hits like two bombs and kimbrel to para to kimbrel closing it out something like that like that we need that like poetry or like to sahada's point of like that theo quote of you know, everyone's just going to be writing stories about copying how they won the World Series. And then you go out and give Ben Zobrist $56 million after he kills it in the playoffs for the Royals. So <laughs> front offices do that, too. Like, they're watching just the same way uh, everyone else is. It'd be like, hmm, I wonder if that would work, you know? Um, I'll take a similar tack, albeit less from an intentional <laughs> trolley perspective, more from a fan service perspective uh you know of course you want to see schwarber versus rizzo see the rest of the baseball world is talking about a historic matchup red sox yankees the rivalry no for me it's rizzo versus schwarber i want to see you know what they do in that game and and obviously by virtue of having talented players that they scattered to the winds the cubs have a number of former players in the postseason this year that'll be fun to follow uh but uh, certainly this week i I will be, of course, engrossed by the Cardinals-Dodgers matchup in the wildcard game in the National League. If Not only because, you know, of course, I've got to root against the Cardinals. I just I can't stand by and let that happen, even, even though I sort of hate the Dodgers as well. But what I find fascinating is the matchup of this, like, barely snuck in wildcard team, the Cardinals, that got hot, that were left for dead in mid-July, and then this Dodgers team that, missed out on having the best record in baseball by like a game. Uh, and now they have to play uh, a one gamer. And so it, it's a little bit of win-win for me because if the Dodgers win, it's like, ha screw you Cardinals. But if the Cardinals win, it's sort of like, oh, 106 wins didn't get you shit. See, I told you all those 106 win teams got bounced. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then I think that, uh, that, that White Sox Astros series could prove a little fun. I mean, you know, I think sometimes we overstate the managerial narratives that we can create, but it's it's a little fun. It's Tony Larusa against Dusty Baker. That's that's kind of fun. I will admit it. Yeah, I 
I almost forgot about that. I was thinking about that the other day. There's, I mean, there's a Cubs link there, right? I mean, they they went at it. Uh, Cubs Cardinals. What like early on? What in, during Dusty's tenure? Didn't like didn't he really get into it with the uh, Larusa like quite a bit? Oh yeah. Like, I, yeah, so uh, I, I don't know if there's actual bad blood between them or if that was just like a Dusty, I mean, Cubs Cardinals thing. But uh, at least I haven't seen that storyline pop up. But I, I think that's something that uh, that is kind of being overlooked. The Dusty versus TLR. The, the, you want to see them fight, don't you? Just go at it, yeah. Just, just go at it. Charge each other. It's like it's it, instead of instead of it was Zimmer, right? Charging Pedro Martinez. Yeah. yeah. Instead of one Don Zimmer charging Pedro, it's like two Don Zimmers charging each other. And <laughs> let's see what happens when they collide. Eventually, it takes a while for them to reach each other, but eventually, when they uh, get to each other, they, 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 some, some drama ensues. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does get old when like the camera is just constantly cutting to the dugout for and just watching managers like stare and spit and like scratch their heads. But like, I don't know, these two managers, like you could, I mean, I'm thinking back to that game five in Washington with Dusty. Obviously we know a couple of playoff games with the Cubs. Like, oh, crazy stuff seems to happen around Dusty's teams in the playoffs. And LaRusa this year, I think pretty much everyone on this podcast uh, could have managed the Cubs to, I mean, the White Sox to a playoff berth. I mean, it was kind of a ready-made team. And, like, this is where LaRusa is supposed to make his money. And this has been a year where, even if you didn't follow the White Sox closely, there were lots of these things that just kept popping up of, like, what's TLR doing now? Like, what's the, you know, let us you know, latest thing we can kind of skim over because the division is so bad and the roster is so good. And that, you know, it always comes back to the players, but like in the playoffs, these two teams, I mean, we haven't even mentioned, you know, the Astros being like the most hated organization in baseball, even though that's not Dusty's fault, Uh, you know, post trash can, like, it's going to be a good series and it's kind of, you know, cause it's not the Yankees or Red Sox. It won't be like in right, the right. full prime time, full blast window, but I don't know. I think that would be a really entertaining one with stuff that you'll walk away being like, what just happened? Cause I mean, Todd, if you were there in DC, that game five, I and mean, that was just like yeah. bizarre. That was a, what just happened game. Yes. And then Dusty got fired after that. winning what? Like 95 games. Uh, yeah. Just, just, wild the whole thing was wild so i was just talking to someone about that and i was like i i honestly can't remember what happened but you know i i know it was exciting but i can't don't add outside of wade davis like getting the last out and celebrating don't ask me anything about what happened it's it's all a blur <laughs> uh well i gotta slide in with a couple you got the jose lobaton getting picked oh, off right, at first right. base in the back yes. for what on earth are you thinking, my my large dude? Although, uh, by the way, one of sixty nine yes. eh, for the Cubs this year. There's another one who forgot. Uh, but uh, and then also, obviously, the the five runs off of Max Scherzer that the Cubs the ill gotten runs because as you may or may not recall, uh, there was that interference play with Javi on his backswing um, where oh, uh, he right. hit Matt Weeders. And then a month later, MLB admitted, they're like, yeah, we, we got that wrong. And so, you know, 
butterfly wings. They they shouldn't have gotten those runs in that inning. And, who knows and they were happens. they were in a funk offensively. I remember remember Rizzo hit the walk off. Uh, it was basically a bloop single and screamed, respect yeah, bloop, me after respect blooping me. a single. <laughs> and, and I don't think, I think he's uh, like, honestly, I looked this up since he screamed that he has two hits in the postseason. Uh, I think it's like an 045, 100, 045 slash line. Uh, not that many games, right? Maybe like 20, 30 plate appearances, but, uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a rough go of Rizzo. So the, so we got to see what he does uh, tomorrow night, right? Is AL or no tonight? Tonight's AL. Tonight is AL. Jeez, yeah. So that was the last. That was the last good postseason thing. It was the, the last Cubs, good. Right? Po- yep. Yeah. That game five was the last. Wow. Uh, good moment. It's been Unless you want to take four that years. down three zero to the Dodgers and and they win a game. But I I don't know if I'd, I'd pull that from that one. But there's uh. That was the last good moment. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and this this might be recency bias because I don't know if the Cubs actually popped champagne in 2018 because they were waiting on the division before the wild card. And then obviously last year we were not a part of that. But the clubhouse in D.C. after they won, I the game is kind of a blur, but I will never forget just the amount of cigar smoke and drunkenness was like, they had just won the world (laughs) series and anyone who watched John John... Lester's interview on live TV can get a sense of that. Um, Just, uh, I mean, just gross. Just the amount of like, just booze and cigar smoke and just a team just totally like you just walked out of there. Like that was an amazing series. It was a, great accomplishment to win the division and win a playoff round there's no way that they're flying to dodger stadium which included <laughs> like a stopover in new mexico yeah. or something like that yes. there's no way they're winning the next round like they're going to be absolutely exhausted after that second half of the season and that's exactly what happened yeah. losing the first three games and the bullpen i mean the, it was really yeah the bullpen was just so decimated at that point like Joe had to go to John John Lackey, John Lackey. in like a critical yeah, situation. Just gave Turner. up, yeah, yeah, just like a terrible. Uh, like there's nobody. He had nobody to go to. It was just like well, either I go to. That's the story, that's, right? Yeah, I mean, he had no I other to, options. Yeah, he could have gone to. I a, forget. I think a he, exhausted he Wade Davis or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there was one that, other yeah. guy. <laughs> Michael, keep, I feel bad. Michael keeps trying to slip in. I see. I keep saying his mute. Uh, our producer, Michael, is like, we, we just keep riffing. And he's like, but I want to say something. I got something. Are, are you guys interested in the actual uh, performance of exact 106 win teams in the playoffs? I oh, looked it up. oh, my gosh. What a way to wrap this show. Yes. Right? All right. Okay. So five this, teams. This is the reality. Five teams before the 2021 Dodgers have won exactly 106 Games. You have two World Series champions, 1939 Yankees and the 1942 Cardinals. Uh, two losers, the 98 Braves, lost the uh, NLCS to the Padres after beating the Cubs in the uh, first round. That great right. Sammy Sosa, Kerry Wood, Cubs team in 98. Yes. And then the 2019 Dodgers lost to the Nationals in the first round. And then the fifth one, 1904 New York Giants. The uh, New York Giants owner refused to play in the World Series because he looked down on the American League as an inferior <laughs> league. So there was no World Series. 
Oh my gosh! So wait a minute. I have I have a couple reactions to that one. Greatest thing ever. That that I was you know I I joked you know rewind the tape. I joked like oh how one of them you know some of them didn't even play, but it's actually true. true. One of them didn't true. even one play. Of them I can't believe play. that's a thing. How did I not know about that? Oh you look down upon the American League. <laughs> wait a minute. I mean I feel like we're. We're, we're breaking some. I mean, I don't know how if you can call it breaking news when it's from 115 yeah. years ago. But there you go. You're Wait, I'll me there read was this. A, yeah, front. This there was is from, no World Series. Yeah, that this year? is front. So there was a, the the first modern World Series was in 1903, and then 1904, the New York Giants won the NL, the Boston Americans won the AL, and uh, this is from Wikipedia. With no formal arrangement in place between the two leagues regarding the staging of the World Series. The Giants under owner John T. Brush refused to play against a team from what they considered an inferior league. The resulting criticism from fans and writers caused Brush to reverse course during the offseason and lead the effort to formalize the World Series between the two leagues. Wow. There this you is go. amazing. <laughs> I, there is no, I, so, uh, admittedly, there are a couple listeners right now that are like bagging their table like, I knew that. You don't know your World Series history. I was there. Uh, but I think for the most of us, this yeah. is I'm I am fascinated by this. I did not know this. And yeah. the rest of you listeners, you honest ones, you did not know that you were coming into this episode of Onto Waveland and gonna learn some fascinating World Series uh trivia history. So boom, there you go. Thank you, Michael. That was totally worth sliding in. I yeah. thought I thought maybe he had something that he wanted to share about like that national series, no. and we kept aping it. Like he's like, Well, I wanted to mention the uh the Lobaton pickoff. God damn it, Brett, he took it from me. Uh, no, but you had something much better to share with us. So uh, thank you to Michael. And Happy to jump in. Thank you. Yeah, you that you you rocked that. So um, yeah, thank you to Michael. Thank you to Sahadev Patrick. Make sure you get in their stuff at the Athletic. Um, it'll be you know the postseason is going on, so there's there's some great stuff at the Athletic to check out that's postseason related. But it also means we're going to be getting the um, you know after the season stuff coming in both at an evaluative level there's some great stuff there but then also we'll be getting word from jed hoyer he'll be doing his first uh you know debrief on the season the theo epstein ones were famous so i wonder how jed will be able to handle uh an hour under the the hot lights of zoom so check that out Uh, i'm brett taylor you can get my stuff at bleacher nation and we will be back at you later this week to discuss some more of that um after the season breakdown stuff uh, from Jed Hoyer at all. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you. We'll be with you this off season. Our, our recording schedule will uh, shrink a bit, but you will be hearing from us. So keep us in those feeds and make sure you are uh, otherwise subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. So thank you very much. This is on to Waveland. We'll be back at you soon. Take care. <laughs>